1: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim will start into the 11th chapter of the book of Mark. For the last few weeks, we've been saying that this was Jesus' last trip to Jerusalem, where he knew the crucifixion awaited him. And he'd even told his disciples, and though they were perplexed and afraid, they still did not understand what was about to transpire. Verses 1-11 through in the 11th chapter of Mark's gospel seem to paint the picture of a celebration in the city as Jesus approached. This is the scene from which a tradition some call Palm Sunday has been derived. Like the disciples, though, while the people seemed to be celebrating Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, they really didn't understand the true significance or what was about to transpire either. Pastor Jim will help us to understand this short celebration and how it set the stage for the people's demand to crucify him just a few days later. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Hosanna in the Highest.
0: You're going to see in these 11 verses, sovereign provision, shouted praises, and then the one I'm really proud of, shrouded portent. If you have to look up two words, get over it. Look them up. They're really good. That's a great point in the outline. Number one, sovereign provision. Look at the beginning of verse 1, and we'll paint the picture for you. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives. Now, I need you to picture it in your mind. Jerusalem sits basically on the top of a mountain. Not as much a mountain as a promontory there's you can enter Jerusalem on flatland from the north, but to the to the east to the west and to the south it's, a, it's a drop-off. So it 's a drop off so it sits out there uh, very prominently. The highest point in the city of Jerusalem is the Temple Mount. If you leave Jerusalem to the east, you descend immediately into a a sharp v shaped valley called the Kidron Valley. If you leave from the east, go down that side of the valley, climb up the eastern slope of the Kidron Valley, you come to the top of the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is just a little higher than the Temple Mount. From there, you have a great view of Jerusalem. I got to stand there last November and talk about all the things that were related biblically to the Mount of Olives, including this event and Jesus arriving via, coming around the, the Mount of Olives. And when you see pictures of, uh, photographs of uh, the city of Jerusalem, they're almost always taken from the Mount of Olives because that's where you get the best view. Well, Jesus approached Jerusalem from the east. Jericho is down the hill to the east. That brought Him to the little town of Bethany. There was actually a little town of Bethany, not only a little town of Bethlehem. Uh, Bethany is on the, if you will, from Jerusalem. It's on the backside of the Mount of Olives, around the Mount of Olives. It's just two miles from Jerusalem. If you take the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, you pass through Bethany. That was the home of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead just a few weeks before this. Now, Bethphage is a small village somewhere on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. We don't know anything else about it except that it was on the way from Bethany to Jerusalem. Bethphage was to Bethany and Jerusalem what the town of Eustick is to Boise and Meridian. Unless you've lived here for a very long time, you didn't know there ever was a town of Eustick. You just thought it was a strangely named road. Well, it used to pass right through the downtown metropolis of Eustick. Um, you wouldn't know it existed unless you were there at that time. Jesus, we know, stayed the nights of this week in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany during this final visit to Jerusalem. So each day He passed from Bethany through Bethphage, to Jerusalem, and then back in the evening. Now, if we look over to John, and we don't have to look there, but trust me, John 12, 1 through 3 tells you that Jesus came to Bethany six days before the Passover, which would make it a Saturday. That means He most likely arrived there Friday evening, because that's the beginning of the Sabbath. He, he probably spent that Sabbath with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was there at that time that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with that costly perfume, and then she wiped them with her hair. The next day, presumably Sunday after the Sabbath, everything began to move inexorably toward the cross, and it began in Bethany. We read over in John 12, verses 9 through 11. Listen to this. The large crowd of the Jews then learned that He was there. That refers to Bethany. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom He raised from the dead. But the chief priests... Planned to put Lazarus to death also because, on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. So, Lazarus got some persecution based upon the fact that Jesus raised him from the dead, and there was actually a plot against his life as well. Now, we can't be completely sure of the exact timing of everything, but we do know what the events were and what is before us today seems to have happened probably starting around midday on Sunday. There are two plausible scenarios for the series of events that start with the triumphal entry. I'm presenting you the one that you're going to find most commonly among Bible interpreters through the centuries. I'm saying that this began on Sunday, the first day of the week. Uh, The other legitimate idea, and you can't rule this out, but some believe that the triumphal entry took place on Monday. It gets just a little bit muddy with the reckoning of when in the Jewish culture did they reckon the beginning of the Passover and what happened on each day of the week. In the scenario that I'll be teaching you. We don't have anything recorded of what happens on Wednesday during that week. We have only uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So some say, well, it just makes more sense that there wouldn't have been a whole day's events left out and therefore started on Monday and all. It, It just doesn't really matter. Both scenarios agree the crucifixion was on Friday and I should probably mention to you there's also a far less credible theory that says the crucifixion was on Wednesday. People want to do that because they want to be um, rigidly literalistic about uh, three days and three nights, so they want Jesus in the tomb by Wednesday night. They don't understand the idiomatic of a day and a night being uh, any part of a day and a night, but uh, that's of no con- concern for us now. I just might mention it later in, a, in another chapter. The point is, the days of the week don't matter, but look how this week kicks off. Jesus is just outside Jerusalem, and He arranges for this fascinating entrance into the city. Look at all of Mark 11, 1 through 6. And then we'll make some comments. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, He sent two of His disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you. That would be Bethphage. And immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately He will send it back here. They went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. Now, think about that a little bit. Do you realize Jesus would not have known about that cult? Oh, and by the way, put all the Gospels together, it was both the cult and its mother. Uh, He would not have known about that unless He's omniscient. The point is, He's omniscient. He is God. He'd been surrounded all day long by this throng of people who came to seek out Him and, and Lazarus. He obviously hadn't been out negotiating an Uber donkey to get into the, the city. Mark tells us that the owners of the donkey did inquire and that Jesus' disciples said what they told Him, the Lord has need of it. That means that those were probably believers in Christ who had been raising that donkey and didn't maybe even know why. We're also told here that the colt had never been written, thus there was a certain gesture of respect and and honor uh, for the owners to lend it to Jesus. Uh, It's as if they had just reserved its use for Him, or God had providentially reserved its use just for Him. Now, did you catch the interesting tidbit? Jesus referred to Himself as the Lord. He said... Tell them the Lord has need of it. He vows validating his agreement with his own claim that he is God in human flesh. He's the Lord, he's in charge. God is in control of men. And if God wants to use a donkey, he uses it. You know, once upon a time, he spoke through a donkey. No big deal to ride one.